G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, episode number 53. Today, I'm talking to Adam Martin. So if you'd like to know more about Adam and how you can find balance in your life, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacob Andre, and for over a decade, I've trained everyone from children to elite athletes to move better, feel better, and perform better. While a thorough understanding of fitness and nutrition is vital, underpinning that is mindset. And I've come to discover just how important it is. I've worked with literally thousands of people, and more often than not, it's the ones who win the mind game who succeed in the big game. So, how do they do it? This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. My name is Jacob Andre, and today I'm talking to Adam Martin. Adam is known as the no breakfast guy. However, he's making a bit of a shift from that title and he's going into more balanced by Adam. So if you'd like to connect with Adam on Instagram, look up at balance underscore by underscore Adam. He is actually my first repeat episode. So the first time that I've had someone back, which is really exciting. I spoke to Adam in about episode three of the Mind Your Body Show. I've been a guest on his episode, on his podcast twice now as well. And so this is the second time that Adam is on the Mind Your Body Show, which I'm really excited about. So Adam is an exercise physiologist. He's from Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. He moved across to Perth during COVID, which is something we talked about in the episode. And Obviously, as you can imagine, if you're from Australia, you would know that that was probably quite a difficult time. However, if you're a citizen of the planet, you would know that COVID at any point in time was a difficult point. That time of life, that year, 2020, 2021, was a difficult time for everybody here. However, for those that aren't in Australia, Western Australia had the strictest uh, rules uh, around COVID um, isolation and stuff like that and being able to get in and out of the state. So we, Adam talked about that. In this episode, Adam's going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff to do with living life in balance. He was doing a whole lot of weight loss type stuff, and he just found that he wanted to get more into helping people live with balance, hence the name Balance by Adam. He's got a book out, which is called The No Breakfast Guy. He became famous as The No Breakfast Guy and was promoting fasting. Um, He's one of the main reasons I got into fasting, and I still fast to this day. And he's a really, really knowledgeable and fun guy to talk to. Uh, We talk a little bit more in this episode on some personal stuff than what we did in the first one. I actually met Adam in Thailand on a trip, a boys trip, um, an end of uni type trip where my cousin Brendan was going over to Thailand. I was going to be in Thailand at the same time. And Brendan was going with his two uni mates who um, had just studied, had just finished or were in the process of finishing up a sports science degree, which I'd also done. And I met Adam over there and uh, we had a really fun, crazy night at a full moon party on Copenhagen and uh, we discussed that. So really, really good chat and I think you're going to absolutely love this episode if you need to find some balance in your life. So, and this is something that actually I have been really diving into a bit myself lately and needing to get a bit more balance in my life and really feeling like I've been successful with it. So, um, there's plenty of tips uh, and strategies that you're going to get from this episode with how you can do that. So, without any further ado, Adam Martin. Adam, welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. Thank you for having me back, mate. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to to be back. This is actually the first time that I've done a follow-up episode. So, I think... You were definitely in my first 10 episodes. I can't remember what it was. It might have been episode three or something very early. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's very exciting to be doing my first ever 
um, repeat episode. So thank you for being that person. Well, mate, I don't mind being the uh, first ever callback and uh, hopefully we can uh, come to the table with something that's been of interest and, uh, I don't know, help in any way, shape or form. But, yeah, it's good to have a chat and catch up again, mate. Yeah, and, of course, I, I think I was your uh, follow one of your follow-up um, episodes on your podcast. Let's have a quick plug of that. What's it called? How can people find it? Um, it's gone through a couple of iterations. Um, I know when we first spoke on my podcast, um, it was How the Focaccia. Um, which is a, actually a name of a restaurant I'd love to open up one day if I had nothing else to do and I had all the money in the world kind of thing. Um, I, I've just got this idea of you would basically have focaccias and I would put normal dinners as those focaccias. So like it could be a lasagna focaccia. It could be a Sunday night roast focaccia. It could be like it would be everyone's favourite dish but in a focaccia and I was going to name the, the restaurant How the Focaccia. And so that's why I just named my, that podcast for some unknown reason why I called it that, but that's what it was. But um, it then moulded itself into Let's Talk Fast when I became the No Breakfast guy, um, which I guess most people will probably know me online for. Uh, but only recently um, I've kind of just moved away and I'm rebranding and everything like that. So it's now just Let's Just Talk. So um, I just love having conversations with people. And I wanted to branch out from just the fitness industry, which I've been in for the last 20 years. Um, I know I've shared this with you, but I, not that I dislike the industry. I love it and it's why I do it. But it does get boring talking about the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, year after year after year. So it's been nice to have a range of different guests on um, of recent times from, you know, a flat earth um, kind of denier, which is good. He was a, we're, supposedly we're called Globers. I didn't think that I had to be like as kind of called something that because I don't <laughs> believe in flat earth, I'm now a glober. But any case, it was, it was interesting to talk to him. Um, I've had a social scientist on um, this weekend. I'm, I'm talking to someone in the, in the tech space and I've had fitness people. So it's just been great to, um, as I said, rebranded a bit and just have conversations because I think the art of conversing with people was kind of, especially over the last couple of years, has kind of dwindled and I miss having conversations. And so I, I, I wanted to kind of make my podcast more along those kind of lines. Yeah, awesome. Well, I always start off this podcast with the same question and I'm going to ask it again because I'm intrigued to see how it may be different. I'm pretty sure it's going to be different because I know you've had some life changes. But what have we interrupted today by recording this podcast? That's a good question. I'm, I'm just trying to remember back if that was asked, but whatever, whatever the case. Um, today, we're actually all... My wife and I and our family, we're in the process of potentially buying um, a house. So we've started looking. And so um, the girls, unfortunately, my two daughters get dragged along to it all. And while they kind of don't mind it because, you know, this could be your room, this could be your room, they, it's like, oh, not another house kind of thing. So, um, so yes, we're, we're about to go out in the next hour or so to another open house, to another property. And so the girls are just uh, doing some face painting and painting kind of, well, daddy's on the radio, I said. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think before, when we recorded the last episode, I am pretty sure you hadn't gone to France. So there's been a lot that's happened in that time. So you moved over to France for, was it 12 months or was it less than 12 Nearly months? Nearly a year. Yeah just, yeah, just just under, I think it was 10 months in the end. Yep. And you're living in Melbourne. You moved back, you're now in Perth. Just quickly fill us in what's happened since that last podcast episode or more simply the last five years. Um, 
I'll kind of say what I'm currently doing now and then kind of reverse engineer it quickly to kind of why I'm doing what I am doing now. Um, and I've made a whole rebrand and my whole company and thought process on life is all around balance now. Um, and I'm, I'm in the process of designing a, not me, I've got someone doing it, but um, a new website and whole new branding and you know all that kind of marketing stuff going on in behind the scenes, but it's called Balance by Adam. And over the last 20 years, having worked with thousands of clients over that time in my clinic and virtually and all those kinds of things, the number one thing I find that people struggle with the most, which then hinders them actually doing the things that they want to do, you know, people come to me and say, hey, I want to lose some weight or, hey, I need to get stronger or, hey, I need to recover from this surgery or whatever it might be that they're coming to me for. The number one reason they can't attend to that is because they don't have balance in their life. And I was that typical um, unbalanced person as well. And the reason we moved to France, I was on the verge of a mental breakdown from working 15 hour days, seven days a week, running my um, my business at that time. And I said to my wife, we've got to get out of here. As, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna say I was going down a really dark tunnel uh, where it potentially could have ended, but I wasn't in a good place. Um, and I hadn't seen my daughter who had just, my first daughter who had just been born very much in the first six months. And I'm like, we got to get out of here. And so I basically handed my business over to my 2IC and said, if it goes flop, I don't care. I'm out of here. I'll see you later kind of thing. And it, it sounds very quick. It didn't happen that quick, but it wasn't too far off it. We, we pretty much made a decision. And a couple of months later, we were living in France um, at that time. And I just needed a break from life. And then I kind of went the complete opposite from working, you know, crazy amount of hours and having something to do every single day of every single minute of every single week um, to doing absolutely nothing. And people would go, oh, you live in the dream. You're living in south of France. You've just got this new child in your life. You and your wife are traveling around France, drinking wine, eating lovely French food and living, living life and having no work to do. But I then found I had no purpose or drive in my life. And I had to kind of do something. And so that kind of started, I guess, what a seed was to then grow into where we are now. If we kind of, what was that, 2016? So we're going to say, what's that, six years? Kind of, mm. yeah, six years later, I've come full circle and trying to live my most balanced life. And I say this, that one man's trash is another man's treasure. One's man, one man's balance is another man's, you know, chaos. Um, so for that. me, balance... Um, is spending more time with my families, being able to take the girls to school and come home and pick them up and having my time and my life dictated by kind of how I want to live my life. And um, work is still very important to me. My health and fitness is still very important to me. Um, but making them all in a balanced situation is what I call balance um, in life. And so I'm just now on a, on a quest to try and help people find balance in their lives because I think once you find balance trying to attain those goals that you're after becomes far easier. So if you're looking to lose weight, if you're looking to start a business, if you're looking to change careers, get out of a toxic relationship, whatever those kinds of things are, everything's made easier when you are in balance. Yeah, so I'm intrigued then how you're going to answer this next question, which I ask everyone, and that is how do you mind your body? And what I mean by that is because it's called the Mind Your Body Show, first of all, but how do you look after yourself? Um, a big thing that has definitely played a big role in helping me take care of myself um, is sleep. Um, I, I'm now 
living in the West, as you said before. Um, we moved to Western Australia during the pandemic. Um, my business got shut down, my in-person in business. So I had a big clinic in Melbourne, multiple staff, hundreds of clients, um, and that all just got shut off you know, overnight, basically. And anyone obviously followed Melbourne throughout the pandemic. It was basically lockdown city. Um, and we were there for about a year during that lockdown. You know, 23 hours a day inside. I had no chance of working with people. And so I pivoted my business um, and basically moved it all online. My wife's in uh, mining. And I said, look, my business now runs from a computer. I want to get out of here. Do you want to go back to mining? Um, and she was like, sure, let's give it a chance. So we jumped over to the West and good things and bad things. A lot of my clients virtually um, that I worked with during the pandemic are still on the East Coast. And so the time difference means that I'm up at 3.30 a.m. each morning to start seeing clients face-to-face -face on a virtual kind of setting. And so I would say the first three months of that, I still had my own kind of normal nightly routine. And I went downhill very quickly because I was going to bed 10, 10.30 and I would normally get up at five, six o'clock the next day. That would be ample sleep for me, six and a half, seven hours, that was fine. But all of a sudden I was getting up two and a bit hours earlier and I just absolutely cooked myself. And I'm like, I haven't changed anything. I'm still exercising. I'm still, you know, I've got all these other things in my life that normally make me feel full of energy and full of, you know, motivation and wanting to kind of take care of myself. But I just couldn't pin my finger on. I'm like, the only thing that's changed in my life is the fact that I'm getting up two hours earlier. And so I thought, I wonder if I went to bed earlier, if that would make a difference. And now I am a grandpa. I'm, I'm asleep by kind of 8.30, quarter to nine. Um, but that means I can then get that ample sleep or enough sleep in that then getting up at 3.30 still doesn't feel great. But it's, it's <laughs> easier to get up. Um, and that's been the thing that's really helped me mind my body. Um, you know, he's taking care of my sleep. Um, everything else kind of follows um, on from there. When my sleep's out and I'm not getting sleep, um, then everything falls apart from there. So you're a lion, essentially. So there's a guy called Dr. Michael Bruce. Have you ever heard of him? No. Who was a sleep researcher. And so I highly recommend looking him up. And he refers to people or categorizes people as one of four different animals. And so you've got your lions, bears, wolves, and dolphins. And so your lions are the ones who like to go to bed earlier and wake up earlier. And they so generally what he says, and it could be sort of half an hour to an hour either side of these times, but it's generally sort of like 8.30 p.m., go to bed, wake up at like that 5 a.m., you know, but someone who's getting up at like 4, like that's a line. And so generally those people also then um, typically go into positions of like CEOs of companies or into the military as a result because that's their type of personality that's the personality type psychology loves to classify people absolutely yeah. loves it we're all in and the same it's funny because it must have like an argument with itself psychology go no 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 everyone's individualized everyone's individual we have to do individual stuff but then they love to disclassify it and we want this group here and this group there um but you're a lion there you go it's interesting you say that classification. I've just finished listening to a podcast with um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think that's his name, the astrophysicist guy. And he was on Joe Rogan because um, he's got a new book out and um, he was having a chat with him. And he was saying how our brains work, they don't work with statistics very well. And if you kind of, he was kind of looking at like, if you look at schools, like they teach basic algebra and geometry and all those kinds of maths, but statistics isn't taught because the brain doesn't do well with statistics. And he was talking about, you know, averages and things like this. And he was like, 
everyone, as you like said, everyone likes to put everything in a category. We need it to be categorized. Like, what's the average? What's the segment? Where's like thing? He's like everything. It like evolves basically just on a massive big spectrum, and yet we all always and it's just the human brain. We, no, no, we need to know where those segments are. And so yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. So, like. So sleep is, the, I always refer to sleep as the number one performance enhancer. So it's, I think it's the most important thing for general health. I think in terms of like recovering from something, any form of injury, whether it's a chronic chronic illness, um, a mental illness, physical, or it's a physical, you know, like a cut or whatever. Sleep is one of the best things that you can do for recovery um, and repair. And it's also one of the things, best things you can do for, you know, thriving. So I've sort of looked at this a fair bit and I ha- I always struggled. I- I'm a bear, according to this Dr. Michael Bruce kind of class- classification. I generally like to go to bed at 10 p.m. and wake up at 7 a.m. And it's when there's like you when you're left completely to your own devices. So a great example is when you're out camping and you don't have any technology. Um, generally, what time you go to bed then? Not sitting up watching TV, not having lights on, and things like that. It's you know, well, you can have lights on. It's it more about when your body's natural circadian rhythms want to sort of come down and go to sleep and wake up. And so I'm perfectly 10 to seven, and that is 50% of the world population, according to him, it's the biggest group. So I've tried being in the fitness industry for a long time, getting up early, and I always struggle, even if I go to bed earlier. But I, what I find is I actually find it really hard to go to bed earlier. So if I aim to get up at, say, 5 a.m., all of a sudden I've gone from 10 to seven sleeping from 10 to 10 to five. So I've lost two hours. If I try to go to bed at eight, I find it so difficult to go to bed at that time. And just even, and even if I do, I still don't feel as rested as if I wake up at 10, go to sleep from 10 to seven. So how do you go with just simply going to bed earlier and waking up that three thirty time? Cause I couldn't, that would be my definition of hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, I guess, uh, who was it? I think it was David Goggins that was saying, like, you know, people sit there. He, get, he says, I don't understand people who are insomniacs. He said, the number, his belief, again, I've got no evidence to back this up, and maybe you might know a little bit more, but he was basically saying that people who are insomniacs aren't exercising out their energy from their body enough. He's like, I've never met an insomniac after they've done a marathon. There's not a single person on this planet. You go and run a marathon, you'll sleep really well that night. And to that kind of point is that I've just got into this rhythm of I'm kind of exercising myself, my mind, my body, my soul and everything from a very early start in the day and I'm always on the go. I've got two girls that are single parent half the time because my wife's fly in, fly out. I, I'm either surfing or I'm at the gym or I go for a run. I've got clients. I've got things that I'm kind of doing all the time and so come eight o'clock at night and I'm reading my girls' books, there's been many times where I'm reading them and it's me falling asleep and they're like, daddy, wake up, finish the book and not, not them falling asleep. And so I think it's just because, as I said, a one-off, if you said to me tomorrow, I got to go to bed at 11 o'clock kind of thing, I would be sitting there, you know, holding my eyes open, kind of going there, but then maybe asked me to do it for a week in a row and then three weeks in a row and like I was forced to do it I think again I'd be trained into probably being better at it even though I'm probably more suited at going to bed early getting up early but yeah when you leave me to my own devices like this morning I had no alarm on but I wanted to go for a surf early this morning I knew that 
we even without an alarm, my brain's going to wake me up at probably 4.35 o'clock when it's left to its own devices. And so it's just one of those things that I don't need even a clock. I'm falling asleep. I could pretty much tell you within a 15-minute band window that it's probably around about 8.30, quarter to nine at the moment. And lo and behold, I pick up the phone. Yep, okay, it's time for bed kind of thing. So it's, yeah, it's just it just feels normal for me. And I'm just into that routine. I'm into that rhythm and it's just, it is what it is. And it'll be interesting to know, I'd, I don't know how long I want to kind of keep doing this. And it'll, I guess, depend on how the, the business over here goes and the whole, I guess, new direction I'm taking it, um, whether I'll keep working with those, um, you know, in-person, uh, those virtual clients over on the, on the East Coast. Um, they're clients I've had for a very long time. I don't really want them out of my life and they don't want me out of their life. And so I'm happy to kind of keep going with that, but we'll wait and see. So what are you actually doing with these clients? So you're doing it virtually, but are you also doing it like actually in person with the person? Like, you know, like virtually? Yeah. Like no, so um, basically they're just taking, um, I'm just working through their um, uh, exercise programs with them. Um, some of them do it at home. Some of them take it to a, a local gym. Um, and yeah, we're just working. I, I very quickly, uh, the pandemic kind of forced it on us because we had to kind of find a way because people were like, hey, Adam, I still need to exercise. I'm stuck at home. Look, I've got a couple of resistance bands and I could maybe get a TRX, you know, ordered to the house. Like, what else do you think I'd get? And so a heap of clients kind of did that and we kind of just figured it out. And while I'm 100% honest in saying, look, I can't give as good of a service to a client via Zoom or via FaceTime as I could when I'm in person with them, but I reckon it's about 95%. Like, that I miss that connectivity with someone, like feeling their energy, feeling their vibe and like how they're going. It's it's difficult to kind of, and I've gotten better at it obviously because I've been forced to, but it's hard to read people through um, cues over a, a Zoom call. And I, I, I love being around people. Like I love connecting with people. I love being in that room with them. Um, and I would say I've become quite good over the last 20 years at kind of, I can just take a look at a client when they're in front of me like, oh, they've had a shitty night's sleep or they're, they've had a fight with their, their partner or they're not doing well at work. And I can feel that. Whereas on Zoom, even now, I can't do that. But we, we kind of figured out a way. And so, yeah, I just I figured that I can give 95% and I think 95% is pretty good. So we're still working with it and the clients I'm working with are still achieving their, their goals and what we're obviously trying to work towards. And so we keep moving from there. And so it's just, yeah, they'll, they basically just take their, their camera or their, um, their phone, sorry, or their computer and they just lay it down either in a room at home or in the gym. And I'm just saying, okay, Jacob, uh, I've, I've got three sets of deadlifts for you um, to start with. Go and grab the bar. We're going to load, you know, last week we had 10 each side. We're going to go 10 and we're going to progress to, the, you know, whatever the kind of, you know, progressions are or what we're doing. And we just work through and, you know, sometimes I have to say, move the camera a little bit so I can see maybe a side on view see how like, I can still give all those cues for what we kind of need and so it's been great and obviously that flexibility it brings to my life as well that that client can do it on their own time and do it in their own comfort of their own home or if they want to take to a gym I can do it and be flexible on the other side of the country and it's also allowed some clients and you could probably experience this as well when they would go on holidays it'd be like okay or business whatever it might be Adam I'm going to be away next week won't train I'll see you when I get back from holiday or business and I'm like yep no worries here's a program for while you're away and I'll see you when you get back whereas now they take me on their business trips and I can do it in the hotel thing and so it's actually been a, a, a net positive overall for for both sides 
Yeah, that's I uh, really like that. That's so cool. So you mentioned about them asking what equipment they need in their home. What would be a handful, the most core pieces of equipment that you would suggest someone get if they just wanted to have some equipment in the home to be able to work out from home? 97% of the people listening to this would benefit from buying a TRX, which is those suspension um, systems. Like there is 95% of the things you can do in a gym, you can get done with a TRX. Like it, it really, and you can make it quite difficult. Like if your aim is just to be a little bit stronger, be able to get some exercise in, have the flexibility of doing it whenever you want to, you know, you don't have to have any special, like the clips that come with them, you can wrap them around a tree, you can put them in a door hinge, and that can be then done anywhere at any time in a very small amount of space. Um, I think it's enough, and the base model of a TRX, and please, 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 I've got to say this, do not buy the cheap knockoffs of this. I say it biased, biasedly, is that even a word? But I'm going I'm to use it anyway. Um, I listened to the guy who created the TRX and he's an ex-Marine and you know, he, he needed something while he was on deployment to keep exercising when they're in the middle of Kabul or something like that. You know, I, I need to do some workout kind of thing. And so he created this whole um, TRX suspension system and he fought for years with, I'm not going to, I don't think it's the Chinese government, but Chinese companies who were trying to rip off his TRX. And most people where that happens to, they just roll over and go, what am I going to do? You know, they're going to do cheap knockoffs. I can't compete with it, so I'll just let it happen. He was like, no, no, I've fought my whole life in the military. I'm going to keep fighting now. And he fought them and won in, um, in court. And so he spent millions of dollars on that court case and his product is by far superior. And I've seen so many people go, oh, I'll just buy the, the Aldi version. I'll go and buy that this one. And it's broken within six months worth of use. And so the TRX will, uh, and I've seen one TRX last in a gym for years. And you can imagine how much more use they get that. And I know that's a tangent I've gone off. I apologize. But the TRX is the definitely the number one. And go to their website and buy a, a really, and it's, I don't know, the base model is 150 bucks. And there is a slightly better versions, like a thicker, more durable kind of ones. And I think that tops out at about, $250 kind of thing. And so I think for about $200, it's the best investment you can make. When you consider how expensive gyms are or how expensive we trainers are and things like that, I think you can get a really good workout done, plenty of variety, hit every muscle group in your body um, and do that in a very small amount of space. So yeah, grab a TRX. Beyond that, I'd say get a really heavy kettlebell, the heaviest one that you can um, afford because they do get quite expensive, a really heavy kettlebell and a medium um, weight set of dumbbells. So I'm just going to say for me, I would say I'd grab like a 35, maybe 40 kilo kettlebell and then maybe a set of 15 kilo dumbbells. So kind of whoever is listening in. You work out what your heavy and what your medium is and grab that kettlebell, grab those dumbbells and then grab a TRX. And for, I don't know, under $350, you've got yourself basically a, a full gym setup. Yeah. So what are you doing with that kettlebell with that weight? What sort of exercises, for example, how does that look? Um, look, I'd, I'd start with some, um, there's be some hip thrusts in there. You could do some deadlifts in there. Um, kettlebell swings, maybe. Um, that's a pretty heavy deadlift. Um, kettlebell uh, you might be able to swing it um, you could do some um, 
like weighted lunges again, like uh, I call them briefcase lunges. I think that's what they're called where you've got, you know, the weight on one side of your body and you're doing the lunges through there. So it's mostly for the lower body. Um, I guess it's hard to top out the lower body. You know, if you're in a gym, you've got a barbell and, you know, heaps of weights. You can put hundreds of kilos, not that I am, but you can put hundreds of kilos there. So I think a lot of those lower body, because, you know, the quads and the glutes and the hips and the hamstrings, they're all big muscles that, progress really well you know a lot of people might just start out at a simple body weighted squat you know sit down on a chair stand up there's a body weight squat that might be fine for the first couple of months and you just add more reps or you add a deeper range or whatever it might be but eventually you got to start adding weight to it and i think that's where a good heavy um, kettlebell can do to really start loading up the lower body and then normally the ke- uh, the two dumbbells at that medium weight is usually kind of reserved for more of the upper body stuff. So you can do, you know, dumbbell floor presses, reverse flies, bent over rows, some sort of shoulder press or upright row. Those kinds of things then kind of come from the um, upper body with the dumbbell. Awesome. So three pieces of equipment, the TRX, a really heavy kettlebell and medium heavy dumbbells. Yeah. I like it. That's pretty cool. So, so you're an exercise physiologist. Just let's just go back, and you, I would really like to know how you got into being interested in exercise physiology, and like that journey of, yeah, getting to where you are now. Um, I was a decent tennis player. I'm not going to say I was the next uh, best thing uh, in to come out of Australia, but um, I noticed you didn't choose anyone just then. You didn't say yeah. oh, I wasn't the next best. And well, didn't say I, I can, is there a reason for that? No, no, not at all. I, I can say that Pat Rafter and Pete Sampras was the two guys that I, you know, certainly looked up to and uh, modelled my um, very short career in tennis <laughs> after because oh, I, I was a sur- boys. <laughs> yeah, I was a servolier um, myself, and so um, I loved those two guys. But I also loved Andre Agassi. There was something about him that he was just, and I was again, if I wasn't at the net. Um, which I spent a lot of my time there being a serve volleyer. I was the Andre Agassi. I would just grind at the end of the court and just hit every ball back. I never, I mean, I'm five foot eight on a good day. Um, and if I'm wearing the right pair of shoes, but um, I, I'm not a big guy. I'm not a strong guy, but I could, I could read the ball really well. And I was a really good kind of returner that I would just frustrate you into making mistakes. That's kind of what my whole game was. And that's what Agassi did as well. He just grind people down into nothing and he'd do it over hours and hours and hours and, you know, take you into the deep water kind of thing. So that was me. But um, I hurt my shoulder um, around about the age of 17 um, and by chance was introduced to an exercise physiologist, which they weren't even exercise physiologist kind of thing back then. Like the, the profession... I can't remember when the governing body was put together, but it was probably around then. Like there would have been maybe 20 accredited exercise physiologists in Australia. Like it just wasn't a thing at that time. Um, But I was introduced to one and I said, this guy can help you out. I was like, what the hell's an exercise physiologist kind of thing? And sat down with him. He said, you know, you've hurt this um, muscle. What we're going to do is this, 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 and this kind of thing. He gave me this kind of whole plan of what we're going to do. Like, okay, no worries. And I got back to playing tennis again, but I was I kind of missed, you know, my kind of time. And again, I don't say I was going to be, you know, the next best thing, but it was moving along quite rapidly at that point. You know, I had to kind of make a decision. Year 12's coming up next year. Are we going to just, just do school and kind of put all my efforts into tennis to kind of hopefully make that 
the kind of dream kind of thing. But because my shoulder was hurt and I wasn't playing as much and we're coming into year 12, I was like, I'll go into year 12. And so I actually was in the, while going through the whole process of getting my shoulder rehabbed by this exercise, I was like, what, how did you get to this? Like, what kind of school? This seems really interesting. And like, you get to work with professional athletes. Again, I wasn't professional, but like, you get to work with, you know, athletes and that, like, that sounds amazing. And he actually ended up getting on tour as one of the tour trainers kind of thing. And, I'm, and I saw that happen because he was my trainer at the time as he took off. And I'm like, you get to travel the world, work with elite athletes in tennis. I'm like, well, I'm not going to become a professional tennis player, but I'd love to work in and around them. That's what I'm going to do for my life. And so I just basically asked what I have to do. And he said, okay, you got to do this undergraduate. You got to then do this master's degree, get yourself accredited. And then away you go from there. And so that's kind of how it went. But in the end, I actually never worked with professional athletes because I got a taste of working with that. I did a scholarship with a couple of different, you know, sporting organizations and I hated it. Like I hated working with athletes themselves I thought I was the typical kind of athlete, but I, I worked with a heap of just, I don't know if I can say, like prima donna type athletes. <laughs> so I had to have everything sorted out. And then obviously you're the underling with the kind of head strength and conditioning kind of guy. And you basically are just data collecting all day. And I was like, this is the worst job on the planet. And I don't want anything to do this. And I ended up going into the hospital scene um, and working um, more on a clinical base um, with helping people get back to, their normal life beyond serious injuries or um, having to recover from knee reconstructions, hip replacements and things like that. And so that's a pathway I ended up taking and that's what my business ended up um, being for most of the time. I ended up working with some athletes throughout that time just purely because where we were, where my clinic was, it was in uh, Melbourne Sports Aquatic Centre. So if anyone knows that area, it's, it was a mecca for um, big, a big swimming club. It's actually where I found my wife. She was a client of mine. I was the naughty trainer who <laughs> dated one of my clients and ended up marrying my client. But, um, but she was a professional swimmer and we had professional swimmers everywhere um, as well as basketball players, netball players. Like the centre was amazing for that. But um, I said, for most of my life, I actually dealt with, um, I said, helping, I say ordinary people get back to living their life and being able to do the things they loved um, beyond serious car injuries or workplace injuries or, as I said, knee replacements, hip reconstruction, things like that. So I've just looked it up and ESSA, which stands for Exercise and Sports Science Australia, was founded in 1991. Well, there it was you go, Jesus. Known as, as the Australian Association for Exercise and Sports Science. So it's not very old, so about 30 years old, but a little bit older than I, than I thought based on what you just said. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always baffled. I mean, I remember it, it was a called ACE, which was that first name that you um, kind of came with. As, as, I can't even remember what you um Australian you Association <laughs> for Exercise and Sports Science, A-A-E-S-S. So yeah, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was shortened down as ACE, and then, then they kind of called us. And I remember I joined ACE then back in 2005 or 2006, um, and my membership card, like I member – 1,100, like I was one, you know, quite new in kind of the membership numbers. Like there wasn't that many, even when I kind of got into it. Um, and I remember them saying, we've got to change our name. It doesn't, it, as you said, it's a bit of a mouthful. It kind of doesn't make sense. You're exercise physiologist. And so we kind of need to make it more around exercise physiology. And then they came up with ESSA. And I'm still like exercise sports science. It says nothing about exercise <laughs> physiology. Like why isn't it, I don't know accredited exercise physiology of Australia, i.e., you know, what it, like, 
it's always baffled me why they've gone with the names they have, but that's a, that's a discussion and a gripe for another day. But <laughs> they're a great governing body on, on the most and they, they, do, they do well for us uh, EPs. So if you were about 17 when you were introduced to your first exercise physiologist, that would have been around the year 2000, so it was about 10 years old. Um, okay. You just, so pretty relatively new. And not long after that, you met your wife who you brought up and mentioned, Amy, who was a very, very good swimmer. And you have told me the story and I really wanted to bring it up and talk about it. I can't remember what happened. We're on a tangent and I wanted to like discuss it on your podcast, but it didn't come up and I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it. So can you please share? Because I think this is a really cool story. You told me about this when we were in Thailand together on holiday, how you met and the circumstances behind that. So please only share what you can share or want to share, but how did you meet your wife? Yeah, mate, I'm, a, I'm an open book, so no questions are ever off, uh, off topic for me. I'm more than happy to answer. But, um, but yeah, basically, um, I was the head kind of rehab coach for um, the swim club that was at Melbourne Sports Aquatic Centre um, when my clinic was operating out of there. And I worked alongside another colleague of mine who was a head strength and conditioning coach, and we kind of basically went side by side. And so every Tuesday night, all of the swimmers from the juniors right to um, the elites, not the international elites. Like we had Grant Hackett, Michael Klim, um, Matt Walsh. A lot of those guys swam for this particular club. So the elite internationals didn't come up to our service, but anyone from below that kind of top, top tier down to the very juniors on a Tuesday night would come up. We would have anywhere from 30 to 60 kids, um, you know, ranging from, 11 years of age up to kind of 18 years of age come in and we do a kind of strength and conditioning kind of circuit training kind of setup on a Tuesday night and then Thursday night was the rehab night which was not a big group kind of circuit it was like if you've got any injuries Thursday night's the night to go Adam will kind of help you through that write you a program and away you go from there and so um, I was normally quite quiet on those nights because no one likes to oh, I don't want to admit I've got an injury you know the that coach might kick me out and I might not be at it. Like, so it was always quite quiet. And then I just remember probably a group of three girls came up, one of them being uh, Amy. Now, I just want to say this off the bat. She was 19 years of age. She wasn't <laughs> underage. She wasn't very young. And at the time I was 24. Um, so it's all above board. I just want to make that very clear. Um, <laughs> but I remember her coming in and I just, it was just those kind of She's quite attractive kind of um, moments, but didn't think anything of it. A couple of weeks went by, you know, she had a shoulder injury um, that we were trying to help with. And I can still remember it, that she was sitting down with a couple of her other girlfriends from the swim club. And I happened to be walking past because the session was done. And I was like, see you later, girls. And they then stopped me to ask a couple of questions. And I answered those questions. And as I was taking off, I was getting a drink at the drink fountain that was kind of just around the corner. I could overhear their conversation. And... Amy had said, I just, I just want to find a guy. Like, no guys look at me like that. You know, it was something kind of along those kind of lines. And I was like, how is no guy looking at her? Like, she's gorgeous and she's athletic and she's a beautiful, you know, woman and she's a swimmer. Like, I can't, I can't understand that kind of thing. Anyway, as I said, that just kind of went through. And the next, the next week she came back and she was the only one that came back that night. She's like, my shoulder's feeling, feeling great. And I don't know, we got in car. I was like, I hope I'm not intruding too much by saying this, but I remember hearing you talk last week with your girlfriends that no guys look at you and she kind of got quite embarrassed. It's like, oh my God, like, you know, 
I, you weren't meant to hear that kind of thing. I'm like, I just want to say that they're all idiots if they're not looking at you because you're an extremely attractive girl and like anyone would be lucky to kind of have you. And I don't know if that kind of tings something in her mind because I, I know she'd never looked at me that way. Like she'd never kind of you know, looked at me even for half a second more than he's my coach kind of thing. Um, and I remember then years later, her, her best friend at the time who was in the swim club as well, she went back to tell that friend to say, Adam said this to me, this, does that mean he likes me? Like kind of thing. And she was like, yeah, no guy would say that to you unless he kind of had some, you know, a bit of an eye on you kind of thing. And it was only because of that friend that she then clicked him, oh, he's kind of nice, all right, maybe I'll go out with it. You know, kind of, and then we just kind of got closer and closer um, as we spent more time and she didn't have injuries, but she would come up to the Thursday night session and I would then go down on pool deck and kind of watch her swim a bit more and things like that. And it just eventuated that I asked her out and the rest is history. We've had rounds abouts and ups and downs in that whole time, but we've now got two beautiful daughters and we're happily married. And you know, I'm, I'm glad I went there because I know I've shared this before as well, but the, the head coach fired me the moment he found um, out that the head swim coach um, and yeah he said I, I can't have that he said you've been an ultimate professional and everything else but I just can't have that happening just in case it gets back to parents and things like this I had already spoken to her parents and asked them is it bad if I kind of asked your daughter out you know I really like her and they were like oh, you asked her parents yeah yeah absolutely like because I I did feel a bit weird by it because I was obviously the coach and I didn't want to I didn't want to come across anywhere that I was abusing my situation in any way, shape or form. Like I, I genuinely, genuinely liked this girl and I was like, this feels a bit different kind of, you know, kind of thing. And so I knew her parents because her parents were always down at the swimming pool, you know, watching her at swim meets and things like this. And I'm like, oh, hey, Rose, hey, you know, I'd say hello to them. And I knew a lot of parents, but them I would obviously say hello to a bit more because I was really courting after their daughter. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just said to them, I said, look, I, I, I kind of like your daughter. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if this is incorrect because I've been her coach, and, I, and they're like, oh no, that's fine. You know, kind of, yeah. It, they didn't seem to have any issues with it. Ne- neither did anyone else except the head coach. And so, yeah, the head coach said, "You're out. You got to. Um, I'm not going to have you here anymore." And he did it nicely. He actually was at our engagement party, which was a bit weird, but um, that was many years later. Once he had left the club and things like that, but. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the story of yeah how, how we kind of met and where it went from there. And as I said, we've had our ups and downs over the years, and um, but in the end, it all worked out well. I, as you know, that's partly why I like this podcast is I get to talk to people and hear their stories. But one of the parts of people's lives that I'm really fascinated with is how they met their significant other and the story that goes into it. So thank you for sharing that. That can Not be a bit vulnerable. Yeah, no, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love the girl, and I, you know, she's she's my best friend, and all and all of those kind of things that you hear you say. But the one thing I'll never let her down, and I want that kind of to be on here. I'd, I think I've shared it. Maybe I haven't, but um, I know I've shared it within her circles. But I'll put it out there for the ether to hear and the world to hear as well. But the one thing I'll never let her live down is that she she obviously found me interesting. She obviously enjoyed our conversations and things like this. But the thing that got her across the line is that I'm in the fitness industry. I'm in pretty good shape. I, I can say that. I'm certainly no fitness model or anything like that, but I'm in pretty, and I was certainly in much better shape when I was in my um, mid-20s. Um, but the thing that got her across the line, there was one day I was doing a workout. She was up there with her friends. I had to get changed and I, I didn't have time. My client had arrived. I was doing a workout in between um, clients and I took my top off and she happened to catch that 
And she has still said to this day, the thing that got me to say yes to our very first date was the fact that you took your top off. And I saw you without <laughs> your top and I was like, oh my God, look at him, like kind of thing. And I'm like, so I never let her forget that. And I love the fact that the only reason she really dated me was because of my body. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're sharing now on the internet to make sure that it's there forever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and now of course you live a very happy life with two daughters and in a lot of balance. Tell me about balance. As I said earlier on, I think I said one man's balance. And I know you said before that, oh, I like that. That actually just came off the cuff. As I was saying, um, you know, one man's treasure is another man's trash. One man's balance could be another man's chaos. And I, I, I really like that kind of um, term in that other people might look at my life and go, oh, it sounds so boring. Like you don't do much and you just spend time with your kids, go serving. Like, but to me, it, it is what it is. And I, over years of going, as I said, being crazy busy, working myself into the ground and being the complete opposite of that, being complete, have nothing to do in life, I understand that there needs to, you can't be all or nothing. There needs to be some sort of midway. But that said, I think balance also allows time for when maybe you are all in, you've got your blinkers on, and when there is time where you take the foot off the pedal. And this past year, I said to Amy, um, I said, look, I really just want to take a year off. Um, when we landed in WA, it was you know, obviously COVID was going. It was a bit of like, oh, my God, we've just moved across the country and we don't know anyone over here. And now I'm taking care of my girls as a single parent half of the time because Amy works an eight and six roster. So she's away eight days, home six days. So basically one week on, one week off. Um, I've never taken care of the girls on my own like that. Like what's going on? So that first year was just absolute chaos in trying to settle into this new life, this new routine and all of that. And it was a bit crazy. Um, so the second year, this, this year we've now been in 2022, I said at the start of it, I said, Ames, I just need to take a bit of a, a breather. I'm going to not do as much work. I still need work because I'd learnt my lesson from um, France. I can't just do nothing. I need to have some sort of purpose for my day and why am I getting up? What am I doing? What am I achieving today? Um, but in that time, I found a new sport. And that's body surfing and that I've always boogie boarded or surfed and I've loved the water. I love the ocean being in Perth. We're very close to the water and some of the best beaches in the world. And so to me, finding that new sport and finding that new love and then I guess bringing that into my work life and my family life, it's my triangle. And I think most people need to find, I, everyone has some sort of career path job and so I think work forms part of that triangle. We all have a social network, whether that's a family, whether that's close friends, whether that's colleagues, but call it your social network as the other point of the triangle. And I think that third part of that triangle needs to be something you're passionate about. You're not there to make money from it. You're not there to do anything but find joy in it. And I think those three triangles, you can be doing two of them really well and the other one has to take a bit of a, um, a step back. And that's what I've certainly learned over this year and that's what I think is balance. And that moves in that at the moment for me, body surfing and family are very much pulled and are the two things I'm going hard on. Work, career and business is very much taken a back seat. But next year, once this whole new business takes off, 
I'm going to have to, and I want to push that business side of things. To me, the family's never going to take a step back. I, I've, I've done that in the past and I don't ever want to do that again. I'm, I'm in a privileged position and I understand that, that I have a wife who brings home most of our, our money and you know we're in a good situation because of that, that I can have that flexibility and some others, they can't. They have to take some time away from their kids and you know, that's a tough decision and it's a sacrifice that many parents, um, more so mothers, um, tend to do from their career, fathers tend to do from their family. Again, I generalise, but that tends to be what it is. I didn't want to be a father that didn't get to see his kids and I blink and all of a sudden they're 16 years of age and I'm like, geez, you grew up quick and no, oh, I missed all of that. And I, I just didn't want that to happen. And so I've made my rock solid is my, my kids and my family and my life in that sense is it's my rock. That's not going to move. The other two things can move. And so while I love, 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 love body surfing and being in the water, I need a bit more drive in my life, which I'm not getting at the moment. And that's going to come from me kind of starting a brand new business in essence. Like I haven't started a business since I started my business 20 years ago. And I'm, I'm quite enthused about that and about the ideas I've got and what I'm going to you know, move forward with and how I'm going to help people um, find balance in their own lives as well as still do the exercise physiology um, thing. I'm running retreats now as well and diff- a few different things that are going to be underneath that umbrella, um, umbrella that is that new business. But for me, that's what balance is, those three, three points of the triangle and you just balancing two of them um, and the third one kind of just playing a little bit of a back scene role and then that just shifting, however you see um, it, sh- um, see how you want to make that shift moving forwards. So just summarise the three again for us. So we had like your social network, whether that's family, friends, colleagues, it all kind of goes underneath the one umbrella there. We've got work, career, um, you know, business, you know, kind of life on one of them. Um, and the other one, something that you're passionate about. You know, I'd, if you could just wake up tomorrow and have 24 hours to yourself, that's the thing that you'd love to do. For me, that's body surfing, getting in the water. For someone else, it might be going hiking. Someone else, it's knitting. Someone else, it's praying croquet. Like whatever it is, it just you just get a smile on your face every time you do it, no matter how motivated you are. Like this morning, I was quite tired when I woke up. It didn't matter how tired I was. I was like, I cannot wait to get into the water and go body surfing. So find that passionate thing, whatever it is, baking, knitting, like whatever it is. Yeah. So what does this new business look like? that's helping people find balance? Um, your guess is as good as mine <laughs> in, in one way. <laughs> um, I'm still kind of deciding that and kind of playing that out. And I don't actually know yet. The website's kind of being built. And if you go on to that, which it's not available yet, but once you go onto that website, which it'll be www.balancebyadam.com, um, at the moment, there's about five arms of what I'm going to kind of do. And as I said, I, I, I'm running retreats now. I'm going to probably run two of them um, a year. Uh, in there is also exercise physiology. It's, it's who I am. And so I'm obviously always going to have some sort of exercise physiology in there. I run online courses as well. Um, and at the moment, I've got two um, that I kind of run. And they'll kind of, I don't know, they'll evolve and progress over time. Sometimes I, oh, I don't like that anymore. I'll try and design something new or whatever it might be. Um, and then I've got my podcast, which, as I said, I, I, it's another part of it that I've never looked to it as a money-making kind of 
arm at all. I don't have enough views and no one's calling me every day to say, hey, can we be a sponsor on your podcast? So it's not going to be that anyway. But I just, I think there's great value in what that can bring um, because of the conversations we have as well. And so that's, yeah, it doesn't really answer your question, but like I, I really just want to go down the route of just helping people find their balance. And so those are the arms, as I said, that have nothing to do with kind of the, the brand new version of me. I don't know if I call myself a balance con, um, consultant or like, you know, I'm, I'm going to coin a term and it'll be on the website eventually kind of thing, but it'll be having discussions with people. It'll just be sitting down and actually just letting someone talk. And whether that's a like a version of a psychologist or a version of a counsellor or like whatever it might be, people just want to be heard and people just want, you know, to kind of lay out what's in their mind. And I'd love to be able to use the tools I've gathered over the years of me going through my ups, going through my downs and me living very unbalanced lives at different um, times in varying kind of ups and downs. I think I've learned some things that can help people um, find their balance and try and navigate through their um, unbalanced life as it is. And so, as I said, a balanced consultant or whatever it might end up being, um, I think I've got some things that can potentially help people um, find that balance in their life. And you were telling me that there might be a quiz that people can take to find out how balanced they are? Yeah, and no, actually I just put off the first draft to that to the website um, yesterday. And so balance will become an acronym. I think that's the right word to use in like each letter kind of um, represents a different part of life that I think helps people live a balanced life. Um, so B would be belonging and that people love to feel like they belong to something. And again, that can be a family unit. That can be your local croquet club that you're, you know, you're a part of that, you know, circuit. You feel like you belong somewhere. Um, and then, as I said, every other letter kind of plays out in something else. And I'm going to have different questions that you can take that kind of, I guess, relate to each part of those. And I'm kind of now working out the kind of mathematics and my website team have kind of said, how the hell are we meant to code this on a website? So when they do this, it spits out. I'm like, that's not my problem. That's your problem. <laughs> but um, so hopefully that once you answer all the questions, a balanced score is given to you um, as a total, but then it'll also show you what, of those letters or areas of your life that you're currently lacking in at the moment, what things that you're really, you know, doing well in at the moment, and then give you some tools around, you're not, you know, you're doing really well in your career and your exercise at the moment. They're they're off the chart, but your belonging, your score is very low here. So our suggestion, my suggestion, my website suggestion, however we kind of do it, would be find some belonging, go and join a comedy club, go and start, you know, what are you, what are you passionate about? Maybe a comic books. So maybe go and find a, a market where they sell comic books and like get involved in that and kind of find that belonging kind of thing. And so whatever it might be, I'm just hopefully that will kind of be the, the starting point that um, then could maybe, I hate using the word because it's very salesy, but it might funnel people into saying, hey, you didn't do too well on here. Here's our suggestions. But if you need some extra help, I'm also a balanced consultant or whatever it might have. We can help you kind of with those and kind of, you know, air some of those things out that might have stopped you from taking action on those in the past. How can we help you with that moving forward? So how would you help me then? Because as you're talking about this, I feel like I'm in the best balance of my life. Like there's, same as you, there have been times in my life where 
I have been completely out of whack, so much so that I have had those mental breakdowns um, and gotten very, very sick from them, which have taken, you know, years to recover from. And so now I feel like, you know, I my, my teaching, I work 0.75 as a PE teacher. I have my online business. I've structured my business doing the online stuff so that I can do it from anywhere in my own time. I've got like, I outsource stuff to virtual assistants. So then that takes some stuff off my plate. I feel like I, I've put all of my kids, all four of my kids do two sports each currently. And it all fits in Monday to Friday, which gives me the weekend and then the weekend to just relax and do whatever we want. Um, my life feels like it's completely imbalanced. However, you just said, do something that you absolutely love, that lights you up, that you're passionate about. You know, it doesn't probably have to be every day, but if it can be every day, great, but more often than not. And this is something that I've long struggled with because for me, living in Darwin and having lived here all my life, it's, this place has gotten very small. I don't think I could leave right now because it, it is just me on my own with my four kids. And so leaving and moving into state or overseas would be possibly a, a too big of a move. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I'd absolutely love it, however, in saying that. But the thing for me that I love more than anything is snowboarding. So when you live in a town which is flat, and like no hill, not, not many hills, certainly no mountains, and it is hot and humid, how do you do something that you, like I know you could say, oh, I find other things, like one of the things I love is motorbike, no, dirt bike riding, or it could be whatever. It's just generally going to, you know, I love going to cafes and having brunch with friends um, on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, so there are things that I could do, but for someone whose passions are not possible, what would you say in my case? The first thing that comes to mind is that virtual reality has become really good. Um, and the Quest 2 is the latest one that's out there. It's, um, it's by what they call themselves Meta now, but it's by Facebook. And they bought out a company called Oculus a few years ago um, for a very large number, but they basically bought them for the technology that they had. Um, and there's some great snowboarding games on there. Now, is it the same as jumping on a mountain and kind of going down there? No, but it's not. I mean, it might be enough to kind of light you up. It's like you get 30 minutes, three or four times a week where you get to have some time to yourself. Dad gets to put on his his headset and he goes snowboarding up the mountains in, you know, Whistler or he's in the mountains of Naseko in Japan or whatever it might be. And then around that, I'd then try to look to book in a time where you can go um, uh, body, uh, sorry, body, body soon, um, snowboarding in that it's just for you. Like, cause I think it, it'd be nice to obviously share that with people, but I think sometimes those things that are passionate have to be for you. And, I love my kids at the beach and I want to get them involved at the beach. But when I'm body surfing, it's for me. I don't want the kids there. I don't want the distraction of them. And I don't want them kind of taking the time and kind of that. I, I'm not a godly person. I'm not religious in any way. But there is something very spiritual about being in the water that I just get connected with the energy of it or whatever it might be that can only be done on my own. If I had one kid hanging off my arm saying, you know, paddle me and I, I just wouldn't, I'd just be nothing but stress. And so I think, you know, you're super close to Japan um, where you are up in Darwin. I don't know, it's probably a five hour flight, maybe six hour flight. I don't, I don't know exactly, sure. but I think in the planning of things can be 90% of the joy. 
It's not to say that the actual, there's a ton of joy when you actually get to do it, but the anticipation of it, the planning of it, the where am I going to go, where am I going to stay, and all of those kinds of things can light that spark enough that it's enough to, oh, my God, I'm going to be going to Japan in three years' time, 18 months' time, or whatever that might be. And then just to kind of draw you along on that time, maybe some virtual reality kind of you know, helps you out in that or watching movies that are snowboarding related like or ski related or you know snow related things like that anything that can kind of just get you in front of that in some way shape or form i think is a great way as you said when you are very limited to well i can't ski and snowboard in darwin like how do i make this happen that's how i'd kind of i'd answer that question this is why I love asking experts because they come. I would never have thought of the virtual reality thing. And in saying that, though, I really like your idea about taking the holiday. And it's almost like you've just, I know I don't need it, but it's almost like you've just given permission for me to be able to take a holiday on my own because I feel guilty, you know, because we are, it's actually almost a year exactly to this day is the plan that we'll be going over to Canada, myself and the four kids. It's not cheap. It's about $16,000 return just on flights alone. Um, so I'm like working super hard and saving, uh, but it like that's something that I'm really looking forward to. But even the idea, like I've thought of Japan, and it's just, but it's the same thing. It's like oh yeah, the kids and that, like yeah, that idea of just yeah, do it yourself. Um, I, I, it's a good idea. I I always look at it like what the flight um, flight attendants say is that you've got to put your like in the case of emergency, put your gas mask on first so you can then help others put theirs on. In that. If you've got no, if you've got no oxygen to breathe, then you're not being your full and best self that you can be for those that are in your life that you love the most. And I'm not for one second suggesting that you're a bad parent because of that at all. But I think there is a lot to be gained from taking care of yourself first and, and making sure that your mental state, your physical state and everything around you is at its best because then you're going to be the best version of yourself for then those around you. And so um, giving yourself permission, and again, this is something I've dealt with plenty with mothers, but now having been a single parent myself, um, albeit a part-time single parent, um, I've kind of, a lot of people who have come out um, who follow me on Instagram or whatever it might be, have then shared, I know your struggle because I'm also a single, like I hear that a lot more. And so the number one thing I keep telling to all of them is that make sure you're taking care of yourself, taking time out for yourself and doing things for yourself that it might seem selfish, but I think it's the most selfless act you can do is taking time for yourself because you'll be the best version of you you can be. So, um, so yeah, if, as you said, you weren't asking for it, you don't, you don't need it, but if I can give you permission to kind of start planning in some way, shape or form to, because Japan would be a really easy one to do as well. Like, again, I don't know your situation or how you could get the kids taken care of and yada, yada. But if you can make it work that you can take a weekend, like you fly out on a Thursday night, you're on first tracks on Friday morning at, you know, Japan somewhere in the Seiko or Hakubar or something around there, you snowboard for three days straight and you fly home on Monday. I mean, I can see the smile on your face, you know, even kind of, <laughs> Looking at that, like, yeah. just imagine how much joy you would get out of planning that trip for yourself, but then actually going and doing it, mate, that'd fill your, your, your balance bucket up completely yeah. that you would come back and you'd be, you know, you'd be, you, yeah, I, you'd be on cloud nine for a very long time that, yeah, I think that could uh, be of real benefit. I absolutely love it. 
Adam, how can people connect with you and find out more? Um, balanced by Adam, um, pretty much everywhere. Um, now I've changed all my handles and everything like that. So yeah, if you go to um, Instagram, balanced by Adam, you'll find me there. I don't post a lot. I do a lot of stories. So if you like looking at the stories at the top of the screen, um, I'm still finding out what I want to do to actually post on there, what people would find interesting. I still haven't kind of really contemplated that in my head yet. Um, and then my, my podcast, Let's Just Talk, um, it's on all of the um, podcasts these days. Um, and our podcast that we recorded the other day will be out um, mid-December, I think, or later December. So they can hear us have a, a conversation as well. But, um, but yeah, they're probably the best places. And then once it's live, balancedbyadam.com will be up and running sometime early next year. Awesome. Adam, I just want to thank you for your time today on the Mind Your Body Show and I want to acknowledge you for all of the work that you've done and the people that you've helped over many, many years as an exercise physiologist, working with all ranges of people and more recently now in helping people find their balance. But before I let you go, we always finish off with this 10 in 10, so we've got 10 questions. It's yep. normally like quick fire, first thing that comes to mind, one word. You can give a sentence. But if we decide to go, it's, it's my podcast, so I can do what I want. And if we decide to go <laughs> off on a tangent, then we can go off and go on a tangent. So you ready for our 10 in 10? Sure do I. You have been talking and I've been taking notes as you've been talking. And so our first one is Fakasha. Am I even saying that correctly? Yep. <laughs> Fakasha, first thing that comes to mind. Oh, um, Herbie. Her- what do you mean? Okay, this is an example straight away. What do you mean, Herbie? I love a focaccia that's got lots of herbs on it. Like the top okay. of it needs to be covered in oregano, um, some rosemary on there, some flake salt. Mm, that's the way to do it. The reason why I said uh, in my head, I was thinking Herbie, that car, you know, from that movie. <laughs> yeah. A little VW racing car. Um, number two, rebranding. Difficult. Three, balance. Um, family. Four, sleep. Dark. <laughs> Five, pivoting. Um, time consuming. Six, routine. Discipline. Seven, tennis. Long lost love. <laughs> Eight, meeting your wife, Amy. That's a good segue. Um, joyous. Nine, body surfing. I shouldn't say this, but the love of my life. <laughs> <laughs> the last three, tennis, uh, Amy and surfing have all been about like long lost loves and loves you yeah. love. Uh, you've certainly found that one thing. All right, number 10 is the w- one question which I ask everyone and I'm really intrigued by this question. If you could go forward in time or back in time, which would you go to and why? Remembering that you can also come back to now if you want to. Um. I'm going to go off a little tangent, if you don't mind. As you said, it's your podcast, so you said you can do what you like. And so um, I answer it in two ways because I've heard a really good response to this question before, and it's not mine, so I'm just going to copy it um, because I love it and I want it to be shared because I think if more people hear this answer, it might kind of set people on different pathways. So I'd say I'd go back to the birth of Christ, so the year dot, because it's been the reason for so much conflict in this world. I'd love to be able to go back and actually see, did it happen? Did it not? Did it happen the way it was? Like, was he a real figure? Was he not? Was he the, yeah. To be able to come back with some real world evidence and say, 
this is what actually happened. Can we please stop fighting about this? I, I, I really remember hearing that and kind of think that's a really, really cool answer for that. I just say that purely because I'd like to get that out there and people can kind of take that how they will. But for me personally, um, it, it's a, probably a very typical one for a parent. I'd love to probably shoot 20 years into the future now and just see how my kids are doing. Like, did I, did I raise well-behaved, kind and, you know, you know, thoughtful, you know, human beings. Um, so what's 20? She'd be, my old, eldest would be 27 and I, my youngest would be 23. So I'd be able to see them in their 20s all of a sudden. I, I'd, I'd like to know that I did an all right job kind of as a father. So, yeah, I think that's where I'd go. That's awesome. It's, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people with going forward in the future get worried that they can't come back, that they think they have to go there and then that's it whenever I ask this question. And you know what <laughs> I've noticed? I'm going to say this too. What I've noticed is, all the yogis that I interview, they say no present. Like, no, nah, I'm happy where I am. I want to be in the present. Like, this is me right here, right now, living in the present. Uh, and so that <laughs> the people who uh, have lost someone significant in their life usually want to go back in time. So funnily enough, you're going back in time was to someone's death. Um, mm-hmm. And so they would say, go back and see that person. And then the people who are real sciencey, kind of like innovative type people want to go forward to the future and just see what's happening with the world or, you know, what's been invented. Could you imagine, uh, I was hosting a forum recently and someone who must be, I reckon, about 70 years old said when he reflects on what life was like for him as a child, he cannot believe the way the world is right now and what exists, you know, with just simple things that we take for granted today, like mobile phones and how powerful they are and just everything that we have. Imagine what like the world's going to be like in another 70 years and even further. It's crazy. It is a, a wondrous word. And I, I'm an ever optimist. I think the world's only getting better and, you know, people sit there and complain. It's so bad now. It's like go and live through the black plague and ask people how life was back then. Like, yes, the world has its micro shitty things going on at the end of the day life has never been better and it's only going to continue to get better um and so i say embrace it every day you wake up you have a choice you can sit there and can complain about how the world is and how shitty it is and whatnot or you can decide to focus on what's going well in your life and um and how we are much more similar than we are different like you know, again, the media and everything, and this is, again, a little tangent, but like, the media and everything love to say just how different we all are and how evil this group is or how bad this person is or whatever it might be. At the end of the day, we're all pretty similar. Yes, we have some differences, but we have far more things that we have in common than we have, in, have different between us. And so, yeah, I'm an ever-optimist. I think the world's going in a great way and I think we'll only get better. And so I look forward to it and I can't wait for it. Awesome. Adam, any final thoughts or words of wisdom? Um, find your balance, like whatever that means to you and however that, whatever emotion that brings up in you when you hear that term. Um, life, life's not that long. You know, we're, we're only on this blue dot for 80 years maybe. And, you know, while it can seem like a long time, it disappears pretty quickly. Like I just had my 40th birthday the other day and I'm like, shit, I'm 40. Yeah, kind of thing. And so, um, you know, I, I think spending your life in an unbalanced way and doing things that don't bring your life balance and joy is just a waste of your life. And so, yeah, go and find your balance and uh, live a better life for it. Awesome. Adam Martin, thank you very much for being a guest on the Mind Your Body Show. 
I appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Mind Your Body Show. If you would like to connect, please head on over to Instagram and follow us at Jacob underscore Andre. And you can get all of our show notes as well as all of our other episodes from the Mind Your Body Show over on my website at jacobandre.com as well as the blog articles, which I write on a regular basis and a whole bunch of other really cool tips, tricks, and actionable strategies to help you maximize your performance so you can succeed at the top level. Thank you again, and I'll see you soon.